treasures in the jars of clay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may be increased thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light monetary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast, where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's word through wrestling with scripture and renewing our minds. What's up, everybody? What's going on? So this this podcast is going to be a, a great special one, and I, we'll get things started right away. I want to introduce a, a great friend of mine, uh, somebody that God has gave me a divine appointment if you will with that i didn't even know about so uh man this guy's not only has he helped me in my walk uh he's also helped me in my marriage and also helped me just becoming a greater man overall so with no further ado a very special guest we would like to introduce <laughs> Estefan. welcome thank you thank you uh excited to be here with you guys this is uh <laughs> It's an honor. <laughs> That's to awesome. To say the man. least, I, I just want to say it's an honor, and uh, it's our honor. Man, looking forward to this. Yeah. So um, today, our topic we're going to talk about is dealing with adversity in life and still holding strong to your faith. We know Stefan has a, has a very good story that we want to we want him to share with everybody. But let me set it up for everybody, and then I want you to go ahead and knock it down. Okay. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing how to still hold strong to your faith, even when it feels like things are falling apart around you. We all have and will experience adversity in our life, and will continue to do so for as long as we're breathing. But the question now becomes, for those who are followers of Jesus, how are we supposed to respond to the adversity? Now, before we get into that, Stefan, do you mind sharing with us a little bit about yourself and some of your story? Um, yeah, I was, uh, raised by, at the time, unbelieving parents. You know, we were Catholic, made my first communion, so on and so forth. Around the age of seven or eight, my dad actually passed away. He was drinking and driving, went off the West Koufax Bridge. Oh, wow. Yeah. Raised by my mom, mm. moved from, uh, the West Side, Second and Inca, where near my church 
it's crazy because God has called me back to that neighborhood. And we moved to North Denver. Okay. Basically raised by my mom. I had a stepdad who drank a lot. And then my mom just wanted change. So around seventh grade, we went to a revival, Billy Graham revival, actually. Really? Yes. How was that? It was awesome. So we went there, Mile High Stadium, because it's still Mile High Stadium. I just say the old Mile High Stadium. <laughs> Go Broncos. Um, hey, hey, hey. Sorry for the cuss words. Mike's a Chiefs fan. We got to get rid of it. We try not to say the B word around here. <laughs> the Broncos. So I gave my life to Christ. Like I, I went down there. It was an altar call of thousands. Mm-hmm. And I went down there, and somebody gave me a book, and it was a Bible in a year. And I remember this person saying, read one chapter a day, and God will transform your life. Every day, read at least one chapter. Seventh grade is full of faith, so I started reading. So this is some years ago, (laughs) but um, it's going on 34 years of reading the word every day oh. and gave my life to christ doing it big loving jesus i'm the oldest of uh, it's me my brother my sister then my mom actually got custody of three of my cousins who are basically my brothers and at the age of 22 i met my wife for one year um after the year of marriage we decided to have a baby and during this time my mom was diagnosed with leukemia oh no yeah and i remember being like no lord this doesn't happen because we love jesus you know what i'm saying (laughs) if you love jesus nothing bad happens to you come on so we've been told so we've been told yeah you know seriously let's be honest like we're like i'm going to church this you go to church everything should be okay yeah and my mom would say, hey, I need you guys to prepare just in case. And I kept saying, my mom, don't talk like that. It's not going to happen. Why would God do that? And little by little, she started getting worse and worse. Little by little, chemotherapy was taking away her hair, her house, her energy. And I'm sitting there watching my mom die. I just been married. I just got married. I'm gonna be a dad, you know. And then now, if anything happens to my mom, I'm gonna be in charge of my siblings, plus my wife and this new child. So, honest to say, is that I uh, found Jesus during that struggles during that time. So, what was going through your like when when all of that came crashing down on you? What were some of the emotions that you were experiencing now? Because like you said, you you just become a, a Christian, you gave your life to Jesus, and now these things are starting to unravel. Have you ever encountered something like that before since you became a Christian? No, never happened. It, it was my road to Damascus. Okay. Okay, is really what, the only way I could put it. I came to a point and I said, you have to show up and you have to be big. Lord, I need a miracle. Otherwise, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I had real talks with Jesus and they like, there's no way you're real. If you take away my mom, you are not real. Oh, wow. If you allow this, you're not real. And I, I had uh, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, doubt. 
and I had this talk with Jesus and I said, I've served you for as long as I can remember. I believe in you as long as I can remember. And if you don't heal my mom, I'm done with you. And it proves you're not real. So I, I, I kept going through that over and over. I literally was like, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And I kept saying, you need to show yourself big. I need you to show up. I need you to show up. I need you to be big. And there was, I remember it was about three months straight, I decided that if you don't show up, I'm gonna stop this. And in that three months, I stopped watching almost all television, all any kind of secular music, all I did was read for three months straight. And I said, I'm going to go after you. And if you don't prove yourself or heal my mom, you don't show up in these three months. I'm done. Wow. And I remember I gave God a, a limit. I gave him a time. I, um, there was a, I used to work downtown in an office building and I remember praying and praying and praying every day. I would pray. I finished my work early and I'd go upstairs and then I'd, watch TV because, you know, my boss was cool. <laughs> he said, finish your work. As long as you finish, I don't care what you do. Just don't leave. So I'd always finish my work in probably two, three hours and then go upstairs and just relax. But I remember one time going up there and praying and praying and praying and then nothing. But something was an impression on my heart and it said, pray for an hour. And I was like, all right, you know, Pray for an hour, okay. Pray for an hour. So finished my work, went upstairs. I was going to watch TV, actually, because I was tired. But I remember, pray for an hour, pray for an hour. And I was like, you know what, I may as well just go pray. So I went inside this uh, office room, shut the door, and prayed, prayed, prayed. Lord, what's going on? Why haven't you shown up? My mom's still sick. You know, um, I had a stepdad during the situation, but my stepdad was an alcoholic. So once he started drinking, he would disappear. We literally had to find him on the streets. So I was in this room praying, 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 crying out, crying out, crying out. And I said, Jesus, show up now. If you don't show up now, I'm done. Your three months is up. I'm tired of this. Opened my eyes, nothing. And I was like, see, nothing. And I was getting ready to leave. And then I realized I've only prayed for 25 minutes. And then something kept saying, pray for an hour. So I kept praying, prayed, 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 prayed for my family, everybody I could think of. And I was like, Jesus, show up now. I need you now. Nothing. And I said, see, you're not real. And I was getting ready to walk out and I said, pray for an hour. And I realized I've only been praying for 45 minutes. So I had about 15 minutes left of whatever was impressing I don't know if you guys ever tried to pray for an hour, but I I ran out of stuff. Like <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, like, how do yeah. you do that? I know. Yeah. I was like, like, I've never so, been able to I pray mean, that long. You know Dude, that many people? Yeah, no. <laughs> so I'm praying for, like, the people at Chubby's, you know, like, people. Oh, I remember this person I seen. I just started praying for random stuff. And then I said, okay, show yourself now. And then I remember being frustrated. I'm, I'm tired of this. My mom's dying. I remember, And I was crying. I was crying during my prayer, but I was crying. The only thing I could say is, mocos y todo. Have you ever been in a situation where you're crying out and, snot. I mean, snot and, I mean, you're just, I said, I'm done. I can't believe this. 
like my whole life, this was, there was nothing to this. And I was on my knees, and I remember something like warm water being poured on me, and I'm by myself. And I remember like a feeling of warm water. And I remember hearing this voice. Now, this is where it gets crazy. I heard this voice, and he said, do you want to know if I'm real? Here I am. You want to know if I'm real? Here I am. Mm. And I'll be honest, at that point, I thought I was going to die because I realized I'm really a sinful person. See, when you're in the presence of God, (laughs) when you're truly in the presence of God, you'll realize that He is holy and you are not. And I was I was scared, but I was happy. I didn't know what to do, and I thought I was going to die. And all I said was, forgive me, I'm sorry. And he said, you want to know if I'm real? Here I am. You want to know if I'm real? Here I am. He says, I've always been here. I've always been here. And I said, Lord, my mom's dying. Every, I, I pointed, and he goes, I know. And I said, can you just take me now? I said, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this. Take me now. I said, Lord, take me before you take my mom, because I'm not going to be able to live without her. And he said, no, I have work for you. Mm. Mm. You're going to do some stuff. And I said, Lord, I can. He said, no, I'm going to be there with you. And he says, you want to know why? He said, your whole life, you asked me to fill you. And picture this as a cup. If I'm holding a cup. The only way I can explain it is I had my hand partially over this cup and I was saying, Lord, fill me. And then maybe one or two fingers over this same cup and saying, come on, Lord, fill me. And the Lord was, until you remove your hand and pour yourself out completely, then I will fill you. I started crying out and started praying and praying and praying. I remember being on my knees and the words that came out were this. Yari, lo solo usha da la ira bebaikira doro. Yari basala ora da la ira de seradoro. Now I can interpret my own tongues because it took me a while, but I have that gifting because what says the gift of tongues and interpreting tongues. And what he was showing me was that I was crying out to him. Ya, yadi. Yari is, an, is another word. I've only heard it several times and it's like an East, I don't know what language it is, but the word ya is, is a form of God, yadi. So I know I was crying out to him. And then I kept speaking in tongues. Here's the thing. I didn't know I was speaking in tongues. So I'm praying, crying. Holy Spirit showed up. I'm in an office building by myself. And I'm crying out to God, speaking in tongues. And then I'm saying, Then my ear got a hold of what was being said. And then I realized I'm speaking in tongues. And then I was like, I meant to say, oh my gosh, I'm speaking in tongues, but the only thing that came out was more tongues. And then I was like, I'm speaking in tongues. And I remember like I was freaking out and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so excited that I could speak in tongues. I went and and there was a, 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 a telephone by there and I picked up this phone and I meant to call my mom and let her know that I was speaking in tongues. And I remember calling the house and my mom answering the phone and I said, Yari do loku, papa, papa, da, da, da. My mom's like, 
who is this? And I'm like, yeah, my eshelo, my eshelo. And my mom goes, you weirdo. And my mom hung up on me. Because I'm speaking, she didn't really understand you. No, neither did I. But then I got, to be honest, I got afraid because I couldn't stop speaking in tongues. <laughs> and then it's, yeah, dude, seriously. So this is all happening in that moment. In yeah. this moment. Wow. Okay. So my adversity birthed my desperation. Mm-hmm. And when we're desperate, God shows off. <laughs> God shows off when we're desperate. Mm. This Sunday, I had I had the honor of sharing in both services, and I shared on several stories about when God shows up during desperation. The widow that was needing a miracle, she was desperate, so God multiplied her vessel of oil. Mm-hmm. There are so many circumstances where God shows up when we're desperate, but that is my key moment. That was when, when I experienced awake? the Holy Spirit. That's your, your awakening? Yeah. Awakening okay. moment? Yeah, but ready? Now can I blow your mind? Okay. My full name is Esteban Miguel Antonio Sabala de Swabacher the third. What? Right? Yeah, yeah, that's my first. That's speaking in Wow. And I don't even speak Spanish. That's my full name. That's a long name. So Esteban Miguel Antonio, now we're going to back up. Okay. At the age of five, was with my mom and my brothers Nina, Nino, Nana, Nino, Nana, Nanas. We were on our way to go to Brighton. My parents pull over because that's when Brighton was old school. Highway 85 was just Highway 85 for miles. It wasn't what it is now. We get out the car. They run into the store. I have a brand new Denver Bronco football. Okay. We're playing around with friends of the family, some cousins. They throw this football accidentally in Highway 85. Your boy, Esteban Miguel Antonio, doesn't think about it. He runs in the middle of Highway 85 to grab this ball. I get hit by a truck going 65 miles an hour. Holy cow. You're still here. I wasn't. Tell us more. (laughs) Okay. This truck hit me from what my mom told me later on truck hit me skidded it was a horrible mess it threw me like 40 feet and I died my mom was still in the store so he's basically my cousin he went and Tommy Palomo was barely like four years older than me he what I know is they the story says they picked me up and he ran into the store with my body and he kept saying Helen Helen And my mom thought we were playing. And then she realized something happened. Called the cops, this and that. It was a mess. During this time, I remember coming face to face with a light. And I remember I wasn't, I didn't have a body. I remember it was like a gray cloudy area. And I remember moving one way or another because I was looking for my parents. And I just remember the light. 
and he says, you're okay, you're gonna be okay. And I said, where's my mom, where's my dad? He said, they're worried about you, but I have you, you're gonna be okay. I said, where's my parents? I want to go back. I, I, you know, because you're a kid, so you're thinking. You don't think, what's this light? You know, hey. My mom's going to beat me if you don't send me back. <laughs> yeah. You don't think that. So I was just like, where's my parents? He says, I have you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. I got you. And then I woke up in the middle of surgery. I have this scar from one side of my head, the right side from the top of my head to about my ear. Uh, fractured my skull. They had to put my head back together. I was a vegetable and I remember the story my mom told me the doctor said hey guess what good news is your son's alive but he'll never be able to walk again oh, no. yeah so little by little I was able to move and they said well good good news he's not paralyzed he'll just never be able to like fully function he'll never be able to walk properly then several <laughs> weeks after that I was standing up and walking around they said well good news is your son could walk but he'll never be able to run and a couple weeks afterwards I was you know running around again and then they're like your son's just too hard-headed to realize that he's not supposed to be alive or walking but the same voice that met me at 22 years old in that office building was the same voice and presence I felt Hmm. when I was five years old the same man same. that's amazing yeah so yeah it's it's a trip when you uh, experience certain things like that you know yeah that sounds just like the accounts of the indie years that we read in that book Imagine yeah. Heaven right yeah that, that light and the, the darkness and the light mm -hmm. and that was five years old that, that I was five years old when that happened you know and then going back to um, 22 my mom my mom died shortly after that. My mom died, she died in January, and then March, April, May, June, March, April, May, March, yeah. January, February, March. My mom missed seeing my son, her oldest grandchild by three months. And that was another thing about me and Jesus. Because I said, You're, you, you could have kept her around for three more months. She never even seen her grandchild. She never even seen that. And I was really bitter. I was bitter for a long time that God didn't allow my mom to see any of your grandchildren. Blow your mind number two. Are you ready for this? Let's go. About six months before me and my wife got married, six months before, she was pregnant. She carried the baby six months. During that six months, went, did everything right, prenatals, everything. During those six months, the Lord kept giving me a vision of a little girl. And I remember seeing this little girl clearly. Hmm. And it's weird, but I would, she'd be like, Dad, I want cereal. And I was like, oh, come on, lay down five more minutes, and then I'll get you cereal. <laughs> Mike knows. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's, thinking, Mike's laughing because he knows what it's at. Dad, Dad, you know, okay, let's just, hold on, let's lay down for a little while, or I'll get you that late. I kept having this dream of this little girl, this, you know, during this whole time. Unfortunately, um, lost the baby. Didn't think nothing of it. 
going back to me and Jesus talking. I was in, in church doing youth group at this time, youth minister. And we were watching a movie based on that book. There's, there's several movies that are based upon that premise of going to heaven. And so I remember at church, turn the lights off, we're watching this on a Sunday night. And I said, Lord, man, three months. You could have just waited three months. And my mom would have been able to see her first grandchild. And then, uh, because he's a show-off God, <laughs> he goes, um, what are you talking about? She did see her grandchild. And then I'm like, me and the Holy Spirit talking, I'm like, yes, Lord, I know everything in the Spirit. And, you know, we have a cloud of witnesses. And, you know, I'm trying to tell the Word his words. <laughs> he's, the, he's the word of God, right? I'm trying to tell Jesus about his, but he, you remember Jesus, you know? And he said, no, Esteban, that's not it. And for whatever reason, I felt like the Holy Spirit put me in a, a trance. I can't explain it. I almost felt like I fell asleep, but I, I see my mom in heaven with her long hair. My mom lost all her hair from leukemia. My mom had beautiful hair. My mom looked super young for her age and I remember her going to Jesus and I could just see Jesus' like hands and saying welcome and my mom walking in and it's it's kind of a, a a dream sequence but I remember this little girl walking up and grabbing my mom's hand and my mom goes and the little girl goes come on grandma let's go and my mom going, who's this? And Jesus going, that's your granddaughter. She's been waiting for you. We serve such a big God. Mm -hmm. And it's bigger than Sundays. It's bigger than men's Bible study. It's bigger than our parents not having us when they should have. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than abandonment. It's bigger than fighting and wanting to find an identity so all we know is wrong because we do things out of anger and our God is like no it's still bigger it's a big picture that the word of God says that my ways are not your ways my thoughts are higher <laughs> than your thoughts so even through adversity I still have a plan so if we truly believe that all things work for good for those who call him and are saved, it's not all things work for good as long as I understand it. It's just all things. We like to be in control, though, don't you think? Amen. Because it's like, God, if I can't understand it and I can't control that situation, it causes, it causes an issue for us. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. All right. So, what well, everything you were saying, um, especially with being at, at church with you today, I saw the uh, I saw emotion from you when, and I don't know her name. I just know her by what you call her. You call her baby girl. Yes, right. My, yes, my daughter. So I don't. What What is her name? I'm sorry. Her name is Chantel. Chantel. So, 
I seen the emotion on your face when when she stood up. Now, would that have you know anything to do with 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 your experience? With my hand, because I see you talk a lot. Yeah, you talk a lot about her. Yeah. Right. And and obviously you and your sons are very close, and 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 um, uh, Chantel is a, a big part of your guys' family, and with her being the only girl, and and I think you've. You know, you said you've always wanted to have a girl, and uh, so I'm, I'm. What if you could uh, just kind of elaborate, elaborate on, on that, on, that on, on your relationship with uh, with Chantel? So, um, number one is at the house. I'm not allowed to call her Chantel. I call her baby girl. So, the reason why we call her baby girl is because Esteban Junior is the oldest. We've always called him, you know, baby. Oh, you know, my baby boy. Come here, baby boy. He was the only child till Elisha Miguel Antonio came four years later. But we've always called him baby boy. Since we've always called him baby boy, everybody, his cousins, aunts, uncles, all know him as baby boy. And then when I was teaching at North High School, he actually was in my class as well. So then I was like, baby boy this. And some people that are funny, then after that, excuse me, other people start calling him baby boy. So that's his name. So I thought it was weird saying, you know, baby boy and Chantel. <laughs> so one day I was like, all right, baby girl, you know, this and that. And um, later on, Esteban goes, she she thinks that's the coolest thing you call her baby girl. I go, well, of course, you're baby boy. You know, she'll be baby girl, you know. So she loved it. So one day their dog got out or something happened in the house with their dog the corgi, my grand dog, um, his name's Crypto. We'll <laughs> <laughs> make you some money. Crypto the Wonder Dog. Um, I think he got out or he, he, he bit something or something got destroyed. And I remember saying, Chantal, look what the dog did. Make sure that, you know, we have to watch this next time. And then, unfortunately, I said that while leaving. So we all live together. Me and my kids live together, and uh, their their mom actually lives in Texas. So when she moved, we we all moved together. Me and me and my boys. Well, let's come back to me calling her Chantel. I said, you know, Chantel went to work, came back, and it's that one baby boy comes and he says, "How was your How was your day, Dad?" And I was like, "Good." He says, "Hey, can I talk to you?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Uh, are you you mad at Chantel?" I go, no. He goes, you're not upset with her? I go, no. Why? What happened? He goes, because you called her Chantel and not baby girl. And she thought maybe you were mad at her. And then I realized that I'm her father figure now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm dad, kind of. Yeah. And I realized at this, this moment that this, this, She's not little. She's taller than me. She's like 5'8". <laughs> it's tall to me. 5'8 yeah. tall to me. <laughs> you know, because I'm the phenomena. Anyways. <laughs> I realize that I I am that. I'm the dad, and that's my baby girl. You know? And um, she's spoiled. Yeah. And it's weird, because I find I'm like, oh. Like, you ask everybody in the house, like, you know, we're manly, but, like, she's spoiled. I can't explain it. Like, she just, whatever she well, they wants. They call that daddy's little girl. Yeah, like it's, I know, but I'm like, you know what? No, we're not doing this. And then I'm like, oh, 
There's little things like you guys have no idea. Like she, okay. Cause you know, um, Mike, Mike's oldest daughter, um, she helped him build a shed and it was like, oh, you know, she's out there cutting wood and, you know, cause she wants to get that, you know, she's getting dirty. Yeah. She wants to be dirty. able to be she's like, bro, I'm a man. I need a lightsaber. Yeah. You know, so she was like, oh, um, we should get a, a weed eater and we should do this. And I was like, all right, these are the tools you tell me, I'll show you. We went to the flea market. She wanted a weed eater and I was like, all right, we'll get you a weed eater. Got her a weed eater. I said, have you ever ran one? But she's like, no, but I'm sure pretty sure I could do it. I was like, oh, wait, we'll do it together. Went to work, came home that day. The weed eater with the extension cord is laid out in the front of the yard. And I'm like, who left it out? You know, going in the house. And I see her with a rag rubbing her legs. She <laughs> cut up all of her legs with the weed eater. Oh, She forgot to put Ow. the... Cause she she, never, she built the weed eater without the guard. <laughs> she won't do that again. No, yeah. she won't. So yeah. So I, I just wanted to point that out because yeah. you know I, I obviously I, I have a, a a relationship with you and yeah. Um, I see you know the way your kids look at you and, and the way I, I'm very observant when it comes to comes comes uh, stuff like that. So I I heard the story you just said about you know, your baby girl in heaven. Yeah. And then I see it made sense to me because that's the first time I heard that yeah. uh, from you. So very it, few people know that story. It, it makes sense now that the way the relationship and the way you look and the way you guys kind of interact with each other uh, with uh, with Chantel, you know, it mm -hmm. makes sense now. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to keep going yeah. and, and, mm -hmm. and keep going because now... Um, you know, now your your baby Pat, you didn't uh, you had a, a miscarriage mm -hmm. at six months, right? Mm -hmm. uh, your mom uh, passed away, mm -hmm. and you're ma newly married. Your your son just got here, mm -hmm. right? And you're having this conversation with God in in church. You're like, "Where are you at, homie?" Because all this stuff is is not making sense. You know, mm -hmm. I'm losing all my girls. I'm losing this. And where are you? Right. And so go ahead and pick up because I think it's imp uh, the next step that I, I feel like you're going to speak about uh, from what I know is that um, how it's going to affect your marriage. It affected our marriage in such a way that um, we were actually separated. A, a because of the, the death? Because of after the death. See, my mom died. And then now I have custody of, you know, Gilbert James Nelson, Dom. My sister's a year younger than me, but she's going through her stuff because... Hold on. So four, you, not, not only your family that you started, you were in custody of four other people? Yeah. Wow. Dominic, Gilbert That's James, and That's a big responsibility. Nelson. Yes. At the age of 22. And then can you imagine the stress on my wife as well? Because she's... Yeah. She's like, I didn't she, ask for this. Yeah, um, my ex-wife is a is a mama's bear. She was mama bear, like, and she's she was dope at it, you know. Um, unfortunately, our marriage didn't work out, but she loves Jesus, and and God blessed her with the new family, and she lives in Texas, and you know, um, praise the Lord for that. But during that time, there was such a struggle, gentlemen. It was so hard. Went to apply for assistance and food stamps. But because both of us had a car, they denied us. Hmm. They said, if you can afford two cars and you guys can afford groceries. My ex-wife was working at McDonald's. This is um, 
actually before, right before my mom passed away, before she had the baby. This is how we survived. She worked at McDonald's. Um, the the supervisor, the manager knew our circumstance. So he remembers telling her this. I can't give you the leftovers. We're not allowed to save the leftovers. But all the leftovers are going to be put inside this bag. Hmm. This bag will be taken outside of the restaurant in this area. But no, we can't give this away. It was his way of covering, yeah, but yeah. being a blessing. So gotcha. I'm going to accidentally leave this yes, here. So get this. So Trisha would get out of work around midnight. This was on, She worked on 38th and uh, Irving, the McDonald's in the north side. We would eat ramen noodles, whatever, 7, 8 o'clock. The kids go to, and then they go to bed. Trisha get off work, wake everybody up, and then we'd eat dinner. And then go back. And that's how we survived for a while. We was it was McDonald's every night at midnight. Well, that's got to be tough. Yeah, and, and that's how we that's how we survived. We survived, you know. We, it was it was rough. It really was. It was rough, still trying to keep things going. And at that time, my brothers started getting in trouble and stealing cars. I mean, I mean, there was our basement looked like Radio Shack. <laughs> I remember, yeah, stuff in there. yeah. So get this, yeah, so. <laughs> One wall was full of rims, literally like full of rims. I remember going because they hid it downstairs. I, I was, here's the thing. I was working, trying to go to, I was trying to do all these things, you know, be, be a good, you know, role model, be, be a good husband. And, and I remember going down there one time because I was like, wow, you know, is the heater running, the, water, the hot water heater? I, because I, I never went down there. I really didn't have a need. I went down there, a whole wall full of rims, one wall full of stereos, the other wall full of speakers. And I was like, I don't know what you guys are doing. Get this out of here now. This is also kind of my a crazy testimony. So I used to go share at Gilliam and, and Lookout Mountain when I was in 21. When I was 21 years old, 22, 23, they'd send me out to Gilliam and Lookout Mountain to preach. And Gilliam, I remember they, they called the service. Uh, one of my brothers was in there, Gil. It was in the smaller pods. And I was like, Gil, what are you doing here? Oh, you know, last night I was running around. The cops picked us up because I was out at 2 o'clock at night. He's like, you know, this, that, and the other. I was like, oh, my gosh. So there I'm sharing, preaching, telling about how good God is and God has a purpose plan for your life. And one of my brothers is there. So as we end, we get ready to go to the second service. And those are the bigger kids. Lo and behold, my other brother, Dominic, comes out there. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why, I, you know, I thought, I thought everybody was in bed, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm waking up early leaving. These guys don't wake up till, you know, typical teenage boys. And what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I was like, did you know Gil's next? No way. I was like, weren't you guys together? No. And dude, they're both in there. While I'm sharing in the big pot, I hear somebody pounding against, you know, the glass. Boom, 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 boom. You know, and I'm still just sharing. You could just hear boom. The guards come to me and they said, hey, um, one of the guys, he's not allowed because he's on lockdown. He's not allowed to leave um, service. But he said he, he just wants prayer. Would you be willing to go over there? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I go over there, open it up. It's actually my stepbrother. 
Wow. Yes. What are the chances of that happening? That must have been one hell of a night. But you know what, man? Guess what? God had all three of them in church for the first time in a long time. So he's going to reach you whenever you can. But yeah, those are, I mean, those are circumstances. Our house being shot up, you know, and um, it was just, it was crazy. You're living in a neighborhood, you know, our house being shot up because of gangs that live down the street. I remember we duck and our furniture was in front of the, the fireplace um, we moved our couch in front of the fireplace because of where the window was and so on and so forth. I remember having Bible studies as a young man, and we'd be sharing, and you know they'd have kids from the suburbs that would go to our church, and they were like, oh, we want to go to your Bible study. Come into my house. And we'd be saying, yeah, you know, and get this, and, and Jesus called Peter on the water, and then you're, and I'm like, what are they shooting? You know, And I open up the door, and, and you know, two guys shooting at each other on the corner yeah, but it's on the corner so i shut the door and i'm like anyway so peter everybody else is on the yeah like yeah what's going on i here? kid you not this girl from the, this girl from the suburbs she was there with her cousin april and she's like april we gotta go now april call the cops or something like she started having a panic and i go don't die i go no don't worry they're shooting at each other on the corner yeah, i'm like over here. there are three houses down like what's come on you? duh you know but we i dealt with that but I had to understand this above in all things. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. adversity adversity is going to be there but every time we go through something we have to come back to this all things work for good for those who loved him and are called all things work it doesn't say all things work when you understand it all things work if it's lined up correctly (laughs) all things work if it's it's pretty much possible in case it doesn't work but it says all things are possible and how things work for good. I find it harder to trust. I haven't developed the muscle of trusting God while going through the process yet. It's usually in hindsight being 2020. It means like when you're going through it, it seems like God is not there. And you might pray. You might, you know, if you're a believer, you would pray to God. If not, you're just thinking, well, something's got to work out. Something's got to happen for me. And then you realize after the storm has passed, who was looking out for you mm-hmm. that God was with you right can, can you relate to that yeah or am I just kind of going off the deep end here because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be open because I, I know that some of our audience are non-believers mm-hmm. and 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 for those who believe in God he works all things out just like uh Stefan was talking about in Romans um, 8 28 however what do you got to say when it comes to those who are non-believers and what they experience it's usually when they're going through the storm, there's a missing hope. They're missing hope. And I think that's what separates the believer from the non-believer is that we have the hope of the word, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Look, I, I think this, like when, when the guy, when, when somebody is a non-believer and they're going, say they went through the stuff that Stefan has, has gone through and is going through, 
uh, at this moment in uh, that he's sharing, I feel like those are the moments and the opportunities the enemy throws out what the world offers to to help them. And I'm and I'm speaking about you know drugs, alcohol, yeah. women, you know everything work. to at work, everything to get that little. It's a little tiny moment of of freeness right and it just happens for a moment and then it's over but then you have to go at it again and you have to, and then you just become it's temporary entang- yeah. relief from your problems exactly and then you become entangled in that lifestyle and then you know years down the road you have somebody that is dealing with issues their family's broken and it just leads to destruction right um, and we're all proof of when we do go through those times when we go through those hard times when we stay when we stay the course when we keep the faith things always work out things are always better for us no matter what see I say that out of because I remember when I was going through a certain period in my life and I remember the worst thing and I was going to church at this time and I remember when somebody said it'll be okay just trust God and I'm like do you know what I'm going through (laughs) <laughs> like, is that all you got to say? God bless you, brother. Like, I'm like, forget you, man. Like, I'm going through some stuff. And, and, and all you can say is, God bless you. Hope you're doing okay. But not how are you doing? Are you doing okay? You know, and I just remember that. And, and it just kind of, like, that's why I was, that's why I responded and said that. Because I'm thinking, like, when you're going through it, if you're, if you're not rooted and don't have a solid foundation, it's harder to believe that God is with you, and you, you were, you were talking about that when your mother was going through mm-hmm. something. It's like God, if you're real, you're gonna deliver me real. from this. You're gonna help me out through this, mm-hmm. and that's what I find the challenge and adversity, and the part that I just wanted us to speak on because there are those who may be listening to this and going through it right now, and and they're struggling with their belief in Jesus, and they're hearing your story and they're like, wow, Stefan was 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 praying for an hour, he was praying, and then the Holy Spirit came and talk to him and that was a moment of awakening for you mm-hmm. and then there's other folks who are sitting there like i don't hear nothing but yet we know that we have that romans 8:28 promise for the believer the non-believer has to resort on being a good person hoping that the universe will come in and help you <laughs> there's a to the christians if you would who say i'm struggling with my belief I'm reminded where Jesus heals the uh, demonic boy and he says, he, the dad comes and says, uh, it's Mark, Mark 9, 23, he says, the dad comes and says, if you can. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, anything <laughs> is possible if you believe. And he says, I do believe, help my unbelief. And I believe people criticize or can be criticized for having unbelief and i'm like no you can have you can have faith and doubt in the same um in the same body in the same circumstance because it was proven here see him bringing the boy to jesus was i have i have this much faith i have Mm. enough faith to bring him to you i just don't know if i have enough faith that you can do anything with it and it's so broken because, Jesus, you know how many times we have done that in our prayers where we bring it to Jesus. And then we're like, Lord, I have this much faith, but I don't know what if, if, if I don't know if you're going to choose anything in here. 
One of the most powerful things that I've learned to do when somebody, believers, are going through something is just praying this simple thing, Lord, I pray that you give them the peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. That Holy Spirit peace you guys don't understand is like, I don't understand, it's not fixed, but I, I have peace in it. To the unbelievers that may be listening, here's your opportunity. When, when somebody else says, well, what about unbelievers? I said, oh no, that's even better because it gives us an opportunity to share. See, when Paul was in prison, not only were his chains broken, but also the chains of everybody around him. That's he true. was chained mm -hmm. to unbelievers. They didn't have to believe to be set free. They just needed to be, if you would, in the vicinity of somebody who did believe. There's so many Christians out there that are empowered to not only be set free, but also set free those that are around them. That's good. That's See, good. Well, I'm just looking for an opportunity. That's all I need. I always, and today in service, I have this attitude if I'm praying for somebody, or if, I, if I'm, you're on my heart and I, my attitude is this, like, you're going to get saved whether you like it or not because I'm praying for you. <laughs> and I serve a show-off God. <laughs> I serve a big God. But we have to understand that. To the unbelievers, you're, you're, you're thinking, man, how, what, where, why, and when. You're listening to this not by accident because it's purposed. It's um, that divine intervention. Yeah, because God doesn't need permission <laughs> he doesn't. That's true. He's just going to do it. See, a lot of people say, you know, came to Jesus. The word of God says that um, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So even though you don't believe, a Savior still died for your sins. <laughs> You're not perfect, but a Savior already did a work for you. I, I, I think about that all the time. The Apostle Paul didn't want Jesus. Think about that. Jesus just showed up and ruined his killing plan. Sure <laughs> he did. just ru ruined everything. Knocked him off his donkey. <laughs> <laughs> if you would. You know. Yeah. There's some good stuff here, by the that way. That was. I was <laughs> like, man, that was deep. And, and you're right. I do. You're right in saying that. It's, it's an opportunity all for us to be able to be that example. Because the struggle in adversity should look different for the believer versus the unbeliever. We should handle that differently. Because we have Jesus, we have a God, and we know that His Word will never come back void, and it's there for us. Mm -hmm. Even though it doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that we're going to experience the hardships and the emotions. It's just that we, um, our response, should look and sound different from those who are not believers. Yeah, because we. We're supposed to be the light of the world, right? Salt. So that's what that's what we're supposed to bring in every situation that that we come across. And I feel like, you know, if you're if you're a non-believer and you're you're listening to this and you're you're asking yourself like, what, um, how is that possible? You know, or like you, there's that doubt, right? There's that that doubt and and everything. And I I can say for myself that. Even finding Christ at a young age and living the life that I lived, I still had that doubt. 
I still had that unbelief, like going back and forth. Is it real? You know, is it true? For a long time, man. Once, once you, once you take that first step and and you start following, just building. You know, building a relationship with Christ. You you start seeing things change, change in you. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go with this question. Have either of you met an unbeliever that God led? Say there was an unbeliever going through some stuff. Has God ever? place them in your path and if so what was the outcome and circumstance so i had a friend and i and it was at an old job and during our breaks we go out and we smoke cigarettes and then i discovered we both discovered that we're both believers and then but no that was a good thing because you know as they say iron sharpens iron yeah well those conversations that we would have on those breaks were were just they were amazing but my friend started going through some issues and and there was drugs he was, and it was like around three in the morning, and he called me, and he was like, "Yo, D, I'm sitting here. I got this last little, I got this coke, and he's, I'm sitting here doing it, and he's in front of his house, and he didn't want to go in and talk to his wife, and he, he didn't want her to see him like that. So he's like, "Hey, man, can you come talk to me?" So I'm like, "Yes." I got out of my, I got out of bed, I jumped over there, and I drove to his house. Just opened up the car, got in there with him. We sat there and we conversated till the sun came up. That was almost like the last time I hung out with him. But a few, I think we got in touch on like Facebook a year or two later. And he's like, hey, D, man, I wanted to say thank you for, for, for being with me at that low point in my moment. That time helped me, um, you know, restore myself and get together. And he goes, I thank you for that, for that moment. And for me, that was just like, God puts people like you would think that they would be your friends forever. Right, like you, mm-hmm. when you when you meet certain people, but it's really there's there's different people that God has put in my path that you know even though I showed up, that that conversation and everything else it had more of an impact on me than it probably did him because I walked away from that like, God, thank you for the opportunity to to actually put faith into action because mm. that's what I felt like I was missing. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I want to be somebody who you can call and be there for you, but it's like. That moment was like, hey, when he called early in the morning, it was the, it was something like Jesus saying, get up and go, be there for him. And that moment helped me realize like, that is a calling. It's like, I'm not a, I'm not an evangelist. I, I'm not good at that. But what I do understand the gift that God has given me is I'm a seed planter. Mm-hmm. I plant seeds and somebody else can water that, mm-hmm. but I make those deposits. And when somebody's going through it, all I want to do is say, here, point the way, plant the seed. Have you thought about Jesus? Consider that next time you're going mm-hmm. through something. And I've heard from other friends, too, in other situations where I've had those talks that somebody else did the saving. I didn't, I never, I've never let anybody do Jesus. <laughs> I've never, I've not. Yeah. I've never had that experience <laughs> of doing that prayer. I'll admit that. Yeah. But I do know that I planted seeds, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Yeah, amen. That's good. I, I've, only, I've only led one person... Uh, to Christ and that was just recently that was probably like two months ago and that was my mom mm. believe it or not so that's got to be even harder yeah. than anybody you don't know yeah. it was it, you, do know. you know what it was I stopped looking at her mm. in a way of like she owed me something she called me she had all these issues something happened to her she was dealing with dealing with whatever she was dealing with and she couldn't believe like you know whatever her scenario or possibility where she, she was in the hospital let's put it that way and 
everything else and and something you know she she got beat up is what happened i just i didn't have an answer for her anymore i didn't have anything for her to to make her situation better or to explain to her other than what the reality of it is you know and she got herself in that position and i i couldn't help her out of it the only thing i could have done was given her jesus mm. that was it and so, you needed to get and so i told her i said i said mom have you ever accepted christ as your savior and she was like no i was like do you want to start changing your life now's mm. the time to do it you know and then we had a conversation and and i led her in the prayer uh, and you know, she was, she received Christ in her heart and she, she struggles still, you know, I'm not to say, you know, nobody gets saved overnight. We know that like the, we, none of us get, um, healed overnight. We don't become non, non addicts overnight, but yeah, so I've only led one person <laughs> to Christ, but the, you know, what's crazy is God continues to put people in my life that, uh, that need to be in my life. And, and let me explain. I do service work, right? And once in a while, I'll have an apprentice with me. Every single apprentice I've ever had sit in my van was going through marital problems. And I just, I, I love talking to men that way because mm. I I make it, I, they know that I have, a, I have a stack of Bibles in my van. I keep my anointing oil in my pocket at all times. I'm ready to go. You know, there's not because <laughs> yeah, no, no, because there was a moment, there was a time where I wasn't ready to go, and I yet I let a young man walk away, that I know God was calling me to him because my heart hurt after I let I just walked past him right. on the street, and I told God never again, I, I will never let that opportunity go by again, and so I keep that feeling with me all the time. So I always. I'm ready to to when God calls every person that's in my van. They we start opening up and we we travel long. We we go far, you know. Sometimes so we, I get an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes drive time with these guys, you know. We so we start talking and and uh, getting to know one another and stuff. And after a couple of days, you know, we start they open up about their wives and their 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 kids, their problems and this and that. And man, I just I don't know what it is, but I have a lot of information, a lot of godly information about that because, as everybody knows, you know, my wife and I, I, I wasn't the best husband by far up until I got sober, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so I have a lot of wisdom in that in that category. So the last four guys that I had all were going through marital problems, all have kids, young kids, and they're all, you know, young men. And so, you know, God gets lets me just speak to them. And, and, and speak life into them and, and show them, you know, where I was at and where I'm at now. So isn't there isn't there a saying and, and I'm probably slaughtering this where it says what what's your biggest uh what God turns your weakness into a ministry mm -hmm. or your tragedy into a ministry? Yeah. There's a testimony in your tragedy. There's yeah. a testimony in your yeah. tragedy. I am um, I met someone in a parking lot. You mentioned him, what about those that don't know God and don't have hope? I was walking through a a parking lot one time and uh, the Holy Spirit said go talk to that person go talk to that young man and tell him that don't kill himself mm. <laughs> so you mentioned about what about you know people who don't have hope and I shared that's that's our opportunity to share Christ so you are the hope uh, so watch this though first Corinthians 14 uh, 
talks about the gifts of the Spirit for anyone who speaks in the tongues and not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries. It says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Walking through the parking lot. Pretty dark. It was basically dark. And um, yeah, Holy Spirit goes to go tell that guy not to kill himself. My first thing is like, devil <laughs> i'll be honest because i'm like i'm not you know i i really don't know what's going on here and i'm like lord if that's you um he has to come straight to my line i mean a line him to me where there's no going around no three parking lot and we're, we're head on and i'm like okay he's not moving and then i said all right holy spirit do your thing because i can't do any I just can't go to him. Hey, God <laughs> said, don't yourself. kill yourself. <laughs> so what I said was I, hey, how's it going? I was like, dude, that's dope hat. Oh, yeah, this and that. So I always say that I, I throw pebbles to bring them to the rock. <laughs> that's my thing. I throw little pebbles in conversations to bring them to the rock. Jesus is the rock. I'm like, I just need to lead you to the rock. You know what I'm saying? So I said, hey, that's a nice hat. Oh, yeah, thank you. This and that, oh, this and that. You live around here? Yeah, chopping it up and... I said, hey, man, uh, by chance, do you go to church or anything? Do you know? I said, because I just wanted to let you know that Jesus loves you. Oh, yeah, no, this and that and the other. And I said, um, well, I said, well, I'm a Christian. I said, and it would be okay if I just pray for you. I said, do you have Jesus in your heart? Have you ever allowed him? He was like, oh, I believe in God in my own way. I said, I'm cool with it. I said, um, is it okay if I just pray for you? I was like, yeah, okay. And I said, pray on your own, Jesus. And I said, um, by chance, did you know, have you ever heard of spiritual gifts? And I know he wants to leave, but I go, have you ever heard of spiritual gifts? Like, it's not just like church. I said, but God is this big God. So I start breaking down stuff. And I was like, you know, there's gift of tongues. And, and he's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I realize he's, he's younger now that I'm talking to him. Maybe high school. Talking to him and I said, one of these gifts is prophecy. I said, that's where God shows you what somebody's going through. And I said, um, to be honest, the Lord has shown me something. I said, okay, if I share that to you. And he's like, yeah. And I said, um, the Lord showed me that you want to harm yourself, that you're going through depression. Is that true? And he goes, yeah. I start praying. I said, all right, Lord, now you really have to show up because this is, you know, this is going deep. And the Holy Spirit starts showing me this kid's room. Total stranger. And the Lord says, all right, start speaking to these things. So I said, it's a knife. And then his eyes got real big. And I said, the Lord showed me that you have a knife on this side of your bed and there's a lampstand here. And you keep this knife here. And now he really starts freaking out. I go, it's your parents. And then he starts weeping. And he said, my parents went through divorce. My mom lives in California. I stay with my dad here, I'm not happy. And he says, and I've been going through it. And I said, you know, man, God has called me to you to let you know that he's real and he loves you. And we pray some more. And I go, you have musical posters in your room. I said, but you're ashamed to let anybody know. And then I stopped and I said, you're actually practicing an instrument. I said, but you haven't told your friends. Now he starts crying because he's freaking out. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he goes, yeah, I do. And I said, this and that. And I said, um, you and your dad. I mean, I started, I, I know what his room looked like. I know where the knife was. I know the posters on his wall. 
I could tell, I mean, everything. And he starts weeping. And I said, God has called me to reach you, to let you know that he loves you. And we started praying some more. And the Lord said that this is going to be a future worship leader. And the Lord said, you're writing songs. I said, this sounds strange. I said, but you're writing love songs. I said, but do you know what a worship leader is? And I started breaking down. I said, those love songs that you're writing, you're actually going to be singing in church. And he's just, and I, I said, you know what? I said, I know you believe in God in your own way, but would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior now that he knows all your business? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, and got a chance to lead him to the Lord. Um, as far as I know, last conversation, he moved to California with his mom, and he was going to start looking for a church. But when we're called to reach the lost, God is saying, I want to do it in those ways. By the way, you are an evangelism. You are an evangelist. Okay. You really are. You really, really are. And I, I see it on you. But you have to know that you're worthy, bro. Because you keep, it's weird, because even though you're full of faith, like you're still like, you're, you're humble in a way where it's not healthy. Okay? And God says, I can't, I can't have you unhealthy. You're so humble that God says, no, I need you to go. You're, you're good enough to use these things. And you're so humble. You're humble to a point that it's not healthy. And God doesn't want that for you. Okay. Okay. I received that. Coming back to it is that when people are going through things, he's a show-off God. And how better of a way to show off is through his kids. <laughs> how better way to show that he can fix broken things through something that was broken but has scars. How better way to know that God is a healer even though my mom passed away, guess what? He's still a healer because I seen her healed. <laughs> in that vision, I seen her healed. I seen her with her hair. I seen my mom in her glory. See, she was healed. It wasn't in my thoughts or my ways, but she's healed. And you leading to your mom, you're like, I've only led one. No, you, you went from zero to first place, Ricky Bobby, by leading your mom to, to Christ. <laughs> like you just, you went past all, all the practices and everything and you went big. And God was like, cool, for such a moment as this, for such a moment as this. And he was like, out of all the kids, out of anybody she could call, it was you. Mm -hmm. Because he's not done. And another thing about Mike leading his mom to the Lord because he says that I'm going to restore unto you everything the locusts have devoured. Mm. Get that payback. And you've seen it firsthand. Yeah. That's a restoration. Mm -hmm. You're right. She's not perfect, but she knows Jesus. She accepted Jesus in her heart from her son. We serve a big God. One thing I, I love about you guys using the word misfits is because we serve a big God and it's not in four walls. It is. It's not perfect. I like to use that term because I, Mike and I were talking about when we started doing this podcast, like, what does this look like? And the vision that came to me was the body of Christ, mm -hmm. right? And in the body, you've got many different parts and there's different people. And, and, and I know this sounds corny as hell, but I was like, man, I feel like I'm a toenail in the body. 
because the people that we've grown up around, our experiences are down here towards the bottom, which society would call towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. But yet here we are, we stand in the gap. And just like I was saying earlier in our conversation, you've got the unsaved, you got the saved, but then you've got that messy middle. Mm. And we stand in that gap because what we want to do is remind people who introduce people who have not been saved to Jesus. But we also want to remind those who have been saved, don't forget at one point you were unsaved and you were struggling in it. And a lot of people, including us sometimes, are in that messy middle. And we want to stand in that gap and say, here we are. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. Just walk. Mm. And as you walk, you'll see that there's going to be the shedding of the old self. It's not just you go from zero to 60 when you're saved. It doesn't work like that. Or I'm not going to say it doesn't work like that. It can. But for most people, you have to go through a process. Mm -hmm. There has to be that shedding off of the old self. Mm-hmm. Like Mike would say, the stripping off of the clothes. Like when we walk in the door from work, we're just taking off the pants, the socks, everything on the way to the coveralls. Bed. Yep, everything getting taken off, and that has to happen. You have to go through that process, and it's ugly. Like imagine, mm-hmm. you just you got a, you got an addiction, and somebody's talking to you about Jesus. That sounds like a good idea, but nah, my life ain't right. How am I mm-hmm. gonna accept Jesus? I gotta get clean. I'm not like those people over there. So, what happens? There's a step one. You take the first step. What does that first step involve? Well, hey, let me sprinkle some gospel on you. Or let me just talk to that person. Mm -hmm. Let me introduce you to Mike. Mm -hmm. Right? Let me introduce you to somebody who who knows what you're going through and who can speak into your life. And he's going to put that pressure on you, but it's going to be that salt. And then the next step. And then the next step. And then, you know, you're going through the messy middle and you're finding yourself becoming that new person. I'm I'm infatuated with the process of change. Mm -hmm. Because that's a hard part. And that's why I'm so infatuated with the Missy Middle and, and Misfits. That fits us because, yeah, we're, we're not polished. I always, I always think of, you know, as, as a Christian, you got to be polished, which is good. You should eventually get to the point when you're mature and none of that stuff bothers you. But there's this, there's this image that I had that I'm not there yet and I'm in the gap and I want folks... I want to walk with folks. I want to put my hand back and take folks and say, let's go here together. We're on our way to spiritual maturity and grow with us and let's grow together. So that's kind of where Kingdom Misfits is like, hey, we're not, don't put us in a box. Mm. Don't put Jesus in a box. Don't put God in a box. It looks different. The body is different. I'm going to tell you guys a story about that quote unquote box. I got some cool stories, by the way. Go ahead, sure. Speaking about the box. And I'm careful where I share this, and everything has come with discernment. So don't tell anybody, but. <laughs> <laughs> the secret's safe here. The secret's right. safe here. Just between us three. Kingdom Misfits, we're going to keep it. <laughs> I got invited to share at a Bible study. And mind you, um, little backstory after my divorce, I, I was asked to step down because I had to, you know, let's watch where you're at, let's see, which is wise. It's wise counsel. Because it can't have you going through divorce um, and then being emotionally not all together. This, you know, it's wise counsel. So I, I honestly, I was hurt. And so I stopped going to church because I was like, man, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And um, so I stopped. I stopped sharing, stopped going to church. Still read my Bible every day. I still wrote like almost a, a sermon once a week just because that's what I do. Still never drink, you know. I, I struggle with my own things after my divorce, but um, this guy was like, uh, Steve, you want to come and 
shared this Bible study. I said, cool. Just let me know. Okay. And he said, by the way, the people that are going to come here are not churchy people. They're actually people who have been burned by the church, want to have nothing to do with church. That's why I want you to have Bible study. And he says, because one thing I know about you and I appreciate you is that you just share a scripture and you'll break down the Bible. It has nothing to do with religion. You know, I said, all right, cool. He says, last thing, Steph, we're meeting at a lounge downtown. He said, um, it's, you know, it's this bar, it's a super popular bar, but during the day, um, they allowed me to rent, rent out the back of the lounge and the people there are probably going to have their drinks, this and that. And I was like, cool, period. That's all I want to know. Tell me what you want. He's a step. Just do your thing. Show up. Sure is a bar. It's, it's, it's a bar. You know? So I got to walk through this bar and I go to the back and there's a patio. Meet these people. And they have their little spritzer and someone has a white wine. Another one has a beer. And they have their Bibles, you know. And as, as every good um, Caucasian young 20-something-year-old, she has her devotionals. <laughs> gonna write my devo they had their devotion it was cool man because i'm sitting there and he's like all right you know this then the other this is this that one so i said all right cool open up your word and we're gonna go through this shared the word went over it no biggie then he says um again these are people who um, pastors kids associated with pastors people that got burned in the church people i mean these they're just all walks of life all different religions then this guy says, all right, someone's, we're going to go ahead and get ready to pray. There's about 12, 15 people there. He said, Esteban has a particular gift, so whatever the Lord gives him, just be open to it. And then I thought, great, this dude just put me on the spot. <laughs> Mind you, like, you know, I'm in a bar. And then I said, all right, Holy Spirit, do your thing, because it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> if they came to know that you're a real God, then you have to show up here in a lounge with these people and their little bears next to them, started praying, started praying, started praying. One by one, the Lord gave me a word for each and every one of them. I mean, just mail, boom. Hey, I know you're here. I mean, there's this one lady. I said, I know you're here. You've been thinking about this different path. I said, and you've been fighting it to go to this different job. Go, boom, go do it. She starts crying. Another lady, I said, um, you, you really got to ask for forgiveness for your mom because I didn't even know the situation. I mean, just going in and out. There's a young guy dressed nice, looked real slick, you know, perfect hair, you know, drove with his little BMW. And um, when I'm praying for him, the Lord says, tell him. He needs to be a good dad. And I'm like, that's strange. I didn't even know he had a kid. He looks young. Looks like a 20-something-year-old business guy. Well, that could have backfired. It did. So get this. I had to lean in, and I said, um, the Lord called you to be a good dad. And then he freaks out because he was trying to, he went with somebody to impress, another young lady. And then she kind of looked at him, and I pulled him in close. And the Lord has shown me, you have a son that's in another state. Again, I never met this dude. I never talked to him. But the Lord told, showed me, you have a son that's in another state. And you're thinking that you having a child and that baby mama thing, whatever, is is not what you're called to do. I said, and you're you're trying to sweep it under the, car, the, the carpet. And the Lord says, he's not going to give you favor in this town at all until you go back. And that was the word. 
And this dude started, I mean, it was, but God showed up at a lounge with people with their little sips because they were hungry for him. Yeah. And see, we, I, I, I'm going to go back with me because everything starts with me. At one point in Esteban Miguel Antonio's life, I would have been like, God don't want to show up because number one, this is where you're at. Number two, look what you just drink. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit was like, no, you can't contain me. I'm going to be big in their eyes. Mm -hmm. See, it's not about eating, drinking. It's The Bible says that it's not about eating and drinking. He says, but it's about the power. And we have to understand, let the power of God do come in first and then worry about things secondly. One thing you will always hear me say is that we are never called to clean fish before we catch them. <laughs> Can you imagine showing up to a lake full of fish with just the cleaning knife and just jumping in there trying to yeah. <laughs> clean fish? You didn't even catch them, you know? But it's also another thing the Lord has really been doing with me. It's okay to speak correction when God leads me to it. It's okay for me to speak guidance when God leads me to it. But more than anything, is I know it's the Holy Spirit's job to correct convict and to direct well aren't you going where the people who need god will be the most i mean we look at the examples we're given in the bible who was jesus talking to where was he hanging out where was the people that he was trying to reach i mean if all of us are sharing this we're just in church we're in the same group anyways mm -hmm. we already know this but who else are you going to impact if you're just hanging around in the same group you got to go to where they're at. And that doesn't mean you go in there and start smacking everybody with a Bible. Mm -mm. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. Matter of fact, I highly advise not to do that because then you're just going to turn them off. Yeah, and you'll rip your Bible. Yeah, and you'll rip your Bible. <laughs> but when, to me, that's, that's, that's the part of authenticity is when you go in there and when we can go amongst everybody else and where they feel comfortable being around us even though they know we're Christians. Right? Have you ever experienced where it's like... I got, you got a friend like, hey, I, I would invite you over to my house. I'm having a party, but we're going to be drinking and smoking. And, and I don't want, you know, I don't want you to feel out of place. And you're like, hey, man, I don't care what you guys do. I'm coming there to be with you guys. Meaning that you can handle being in that situation. You know what I mean? But it's like, discernment. I'm, I, I'm, I'm there with you guys because I like you. I care about you. And I want to be that example. I'm not going to sit there and preach to you. But if you want to hear from the Lord, I'm here. And as a matter of fact, there's often times where I find that when I'm around people who don't believe, when I'm talking to them, I talk to them in a way which is foundationally rooted in the Bible. For example, like what I do at work, I teach financial fitness, I teach how to set goals, but everything that I learned from that, I learned from the Word. Mm. You're getting the Word, you just don't know it. Amen. It's because I'm not quoting Jesus, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I'm not quoting the people who authenticated mm -hmm. it, right? But the principles that I teach are from the Word. So when I'm around you, you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't say Jesus, you're still getting it. And then you're mm -hmm. going to wonder one day, hey man, how come you know all that? Who taught you that? Well, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Let me introduce you, yeah. right? And But... I would never have exposure to those to those friends and those people I never would have met if I would have never gone to that place, to that bar, to that party, to that area where we wouldn't find most believers because mm -hmm. you'll find them in the church, but you see them in the grounds. Yeah, one of, one of the things that I, I love about um, uh, my brothers uh, with the Christian writers is um, they go where the people are. 
they I mean these look I these guys there is no and Johnny uh, the president of the Christian writers Johnny he's he is the first man that I've ever met in my life that when he said he talked the talk and he walked the walk he literally talked and walked what he said he was all about which blew me away because you get around the guys and people they're like yeah we go and we pray for them and you know this was before like when I was you know just hanging around them and, and getting to know them and stuff and like oh yeah we go and we do this we do that and um, and I always kept hearing him say this one thing over and over and over again let pray first pray about it pray mm-hmm. about it pray yes. about it that's the exactly he, everything you bring to Johnny if you ever need advice from Johnny or if you ever want to talk to him after the conversation the first thing he says is let's pray about it mm. you know so he like and, and this was before I knew him so um, I was just watching him speak and talk and, and always say like okay uh, like let's pray about it pray about it do you know put God first do this and that but when I seen him and when I was a part of them going down to the Capitol and feeding homeless people for four hours, when they're going out and handing out food, going to people and, and laying hands on these people downtown that are, are the homeless and praying on them and anointing them and bringing them food and clothes. And, and you, uh, you're just like, man, like that's, that's what we're all called to do. We, we go where the people are. We, we meet them where they're at. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about being a Christian is uh, in I when I gave my life to Christ as a young, when I was a young kid, you know, and then I fell away. Even when I fell away, the the what I saw in the church was, oh, I got to get cleaned up before I go back. Mm, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. I got to go. I got to quit this. I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I got to do this to, to go back. And that kept me away for a long time, <laughs> you know. And so, like, when I seen Johnny do all these things and, and follow through, uh, it really planted the seed in my heart to really challenge myself to, uh, and that's what led to last week's uh, episode about prayer, was that challenged me to, because when he, we would be in the middle, we were in the middle of uh, a Harley Davidson parking lot, right? We were doing a, a little run. And there's a bunch of, you know, non-believers and other bike clubs are there and stuff. And this lady, um, uh, somebody's, uh, it was a lady that, you know, was about to pass away or something. There was something like that. I didn't get the full story because I was away from from the conversation. And I got called over there and he goes, hey, let's pray about it. And I'm looking around like, I'll be honest with you, I was nervous. I was like, we're going to pray in front of all these these bikers and stuff, you know, like, and, and, but Johnny, he was like, you know what, this is what we're about. This is, this is what we mm-hmm. do. This is what we do. And so, um, right in the middle of that, that Harley Davidson parking lot, we laid hands and, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I mean, it was that like, when you talk about, um, when we, when we talk about not being, uh, uh, witnesses or evangelists uh, or anything like that, right? We we um, we limit ourselves. And as you were talking, uh, David, just a few minutes ago, you were speaking the language of evangelism, you know, 
and and that's that all of us are that what did god call us to do is to go out and and create disciples to disciple to become disciples Mm. right disciples Mm. disciple and um man i i just i i love i love looking back and seeing uh the man that god had put in my life to really open my eyes right with like with johnny uh with the stefan with you you know with this whole like we we're we're all like just outreaching each other to push each other to get to where we know we where we all need to be where we belong right so with that being said we're gonna take a break and we're gonna wrap it up we'll be right back What's up, everyone? We came back from our little break. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, this this podcast, it's been man. Powerful. This is, they talk about pearls, right? Talk about pearls. <laughs> Stefan's <laughs> dropping gems on us. We're sitting here just listening. We're supposed to be interviewing, but I know, we're, just, I'm we're getting sitting lost. here taking it all in. I'm getting lost in this, and I'm like, man, what are we supposed to say? No, let's <laughs> just listen. God's but got the word you, for it. You know, um, I, I want to bring it back to, um, let's bring it back full circle. This podcast is about adversity. And overcoming it and I really would like to know where you were who you were and what got you through your divorce man uh, so number one is I uh, my divorce is my my wound mm-hmm. I mean it's my uh, my three strikes if you would no one is righteous this is God says that in his word no one is righteous no not one okay but then again he goes on to say because of him we are the righteousness of God so the word of God says pride comes before the fall. During my divorce, I'll be honest, like it seemed like there was a season where I could see nothing good in her and she could see nothing good in me. We ended up getting divorced. It was ugly. Um, we didn't. It's, it's strange to divorce somebody who you're not, you don't hate. I didn't hate her. She didn't hate me. We just didn't get along. But it, what, what it was was pride. And later on afterwards, after it was said and done, the Lord had showed me all the pride I was I was walking in during that time, and um, it was just s- stupid pride. And then He said, "You know what? I, I allowed you to. I even allowed you, and I kept your gifts." See, here's one thing about spiritual gifts: God says your spiritual gifts are are your gifts. The the gifts of God are irrevocable. But see, God was like that during that moment. This is what He showed me during that adversity. He said, "I don't care about your gifts." I care about your fruit mm. because so many believers and so many churches are built off gifts without seeing the person's fruit. That's why big ministries fail. That's why uh, marriage ministries fail. That's why all these things go on is because we're so concentrating on the gifts and we forget the fruit. And the Lord had to deal with me with that. I was broken. I was, I was messed up afterwards and, during that time when my my pastor said, I need you to step down, and, and uh, I didn't know how to deal with it. See, because I'm a doer, and if I can't do it, then I'm no good. And the Lord dealt with me in that, and he says, you know what, Esteban? He goes, you never grasped my love for you. He's like, I don't love you because I give you gifts. I don't love you because you could share. I don't love you because of, you know, spiritual gifting. God says, I love you because you're my son. And you got it twisted. 
you got it wrong. Like, I loved you. I still love you. That adversity taught me to accept God's love for me. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm the oldest child of a single mom. So that means that all I know is do, do, do. Hmm. Go, go, go. Um, I was at a point of Pharisee, even in the way I used to act and be prideful about my, I've never drank and never got high. I don't cuss. And the Lord had to deal with me. And he's like, I, I don't care about those things. Is that true? Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, about me not drink. Yeah, not drinking and smoking. I've never either? drank. Yeah, no. you can ask. I have a friend that's in my Bible study. His, his name's Rocky. First person I met. Thirty, thirty years. There's actually several. Uh, Dan. Yeah, yeah. My friend Dan uh, from work, Dan Rosales. He's. Uh, you never smoked no weed. No. None of that. Never I like. I grew up around it. See, my dad. I grew up. This, as a whole other Oprah. I'm gonna come back for that, but um. I grew up around it, seen it, but I, I never desired it. Oh, so I made a covenant. Life. My dad died when I was eight years old uh, from drinking and driving. Um, I made a covenant that day that I never drink. Good. I never wanted it. Never. I just never desired it. But um, the Lord was like, I, I don't care about those things. Because it's, if you would, it's religious things. He says, you got to know that I love you and that I'm proud of you. And that changed everything. Um. My ex-wife and I had a conversation several years later, and she was like, I apologize for everything I said out of my anger. I apologize. In marriages and relationships, we're going to realize that we, it's as, as men and women, it's not our job to make the other person happy. See, in my, my marriage, the reason why we failed, because we were basing everything off happiness. I'm not happy. You're not happy. Maybe this isn't working out. Maybe, you know, you're not. It was, it's a lie from the pits of hell. It's, it's a lie. It's not my job to make her happy. She has to be happy. Number one, in her walk with God and her fulfillment of God. And it's my job to cover her during that time and insecurities. That's a teachable moment. I hope you guys caught that. And then on the flip side, her job wasn't to make me happy either. It was just to be there. And when she was going through her unhappiness and it, it, and the devil was a liar and throwing all this, it was all smoke and mirrors. And we were good. And we were good. No infidelity. I didn't abuse her. No no cheating, no nothing. In fact, this is, this is another strange thing is we were divorced and we'd still go to church every Sunday. We still sat together. We, nobody even knew we were divorced because again, everything was based on pride but the lord had to show me again it's not you it ain't the doing things it's that one it's the being things I, I, you're my son my like I, I tell my kids this no matter what my sons do it doesn't mean they stop being my my kids you didn't do your homework you didn't do this and that like you you broke something i guess you're not my son anymore because <laughs> you didn't do it right i'm curious how, how did that make you feel going through that situation like that i mean you're divorced but you're still together and doing things how did that make you feel it made me feel like i was lying to myself because that's another thing the lord was like you're showing up here and you're not even here you're just showing up here you're just showing up here 
and it, it, it challenged me. Man, Lord, I can't enter and I can't because the Lord says, your heart's gone. Your heart's far from. Remember, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, it's because your hearts are far from me. Hmm. You, you, it says, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And I was doing that. I had to get a heart. Everything was one-on-one. My pastor at the time says, Esteban, you, you're doing everything right, but you're not being true to you. You're doing everything right. You're doing everything right. You're doing everything right. He says, but that's not what God wants. Remember on the last days, Jesus says, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, I did these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, I never knew you because you were never being with me. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. He said, you were never, it was, you, were, you were doing, but I don't know you because we weren't being. Lukewarm. Lukewarm, yeah, but... But the, uh, again, I, I am the man I am because of adversity. I'm the man I am because of scrapes and falls. I am the man that I am because I believe that God is who He is. When you said, "How do we reach the world without, you know, we got to go. We we do have to be in those places." But John twelve, Jesus says, "If I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. If you lift Him up." God says, I'll, I'm going to make people uncomfortable in them dark places to come to you. Why do you think, and it's funny, all three of us have this circumstance where I have somebody, in fact, it was a Bible study, the the, the man you met. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know what it was, but the Lord put, put me on your mind and I felt like I had to come to your Bible study. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw. So number one is, I got to be available. I got to lift him up. And then I have to be able to have the capacity to lead what did it say ready willing and able yes and that's yes. what god has called us to be ready willing and able i find that fascinating that you just said that like they're drawn to you when when i've experienced those situations there's nothing i can say that was me in that Mm-mm. and that's the weird part and that's why i'm, I'm freaking out as you said that because i'm thinking like that's true god draws them in and mm-hmm. they're like they acknowledge that, but you have become that salt that that, that they know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's only dark when there's no light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, but it's just like the, the that's, how God brings them to you. Yeah, like Mikey says, the divine appointment. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. big on. I know that I Jesus fed the multitude. Okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't say he recruited them. Right. <laughs> he didn't. When he says that we're the light and 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 the we're the salt. Here's the other thing. One of the, the best sayings I've ever heard is that I'm just one hungry beggar letting other beggars know where the bread is. Amen. Pastor mm-hmm. Philip Bate, I'm quoting you, and I don't know if you'll hear this, but <laughs> here's the thing is, is in ministry, it's so-and-so said it, and then the second time is I've heard it said, and then the third time, like I always say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I know that for a fact. I'm just one hungry beggar telling other hungry beggars where the bread is that's all i need to do that's all i all i need to do if i be lifted up god said i'm gonna draw them i i just need you and me to be see think about it if 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 everything good is vertical in my life me and you god's gonna take care of the horizontal but religion and quote-unquote church and quote-unquote ministry has us thinking horizontally and then I'll get vertical, and I'm like, no. 
Nobody tries to get healed first and then go to the doctor. Yeah. Can I share something with you that the Lord showed me? Did you know that's a, a dynamic attack when somebody thinks that? When they say, well, let me get healed first. Let me stop first. It's a demonic attack. It delays you. Yeah, it does. It And that's it's a lie from the pit to hell. Let me, let me do this first. You know the reason why Eve ate from the tree? Because the enemy made her believe that God was withholding something from her. She ate that because she the enemy made her believe that God is not enough. And sometimes that's where religion comes in and that's where all all those messes come in. And a lot of times a lot of times I'm just like, Lord, you are enough. I repeat that, Jesus, you are enough. And yeah. that song, All I Need Is You, man. But anyways, coming back to that, that's what I learned through divorce. I had to learn to He's not withholding. I need to let my pride go. And I need to just be. I don't have to do. I don't have to fix. I don't have to play the hero. Because he's my hero. He's my champion. The other thing is, do you, do you know I'm good enough and I'm, I'm loved? The word of God says I'm the apple of his eye. And if you're the apple of God's eye, nothing comes close to God's eye. <laughs> no one could touch it. And he, 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 he protects that thing mm -hmm. because it's a part of him. So did you have to grab that? What? Believe that, that, that you're loved? Were you, I mean, because obviously you understood that. Um, you've been preaching. You've been a Christian for a while. But did you have to really own that? Like you have God to loves own me? It. You have to own it. If you don't know that you're loved, then you're not, you don't think that you're a part of something. Because some of us go through, I mean, for as long as I've been a Christian, it's, it, that's been something that's been... That's been a wrestling point for me. It's like, hey, you know this. You hear it. You listen to it. You talk about it. All this stuff. But do you believe it? And I've had to wrestle with that. Baby Boy said this the other day. By the way, my greatest teachable moments, learning moments, and moments at a father are when I'm cutting my son's hair. Because we get in some phenomenal conversations. And he says, you know what, Dad? You know what the Lord showed me the other day? The Lord showed me that I have to stop thinking that I have to reapply for my position at his son, as his son, every time I mess up. And the Lord said that I never lost my position, that I took off my uniform. Your son said that? That's my son deep. said That's that. Good and I was right like, <gasps> I'm going to write. I said, son, we're teaching this. Because Mike also challenged me in a way about, um, I, I got a study going on called, Are You the Five or the Two? talent Christian. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Because remember, it says that Jesus uh, the, the, said the, the master gave out one talent to one servant. He gave out two talents to another and then five to the other. Uh -huh. Why did he only give that one two? I don't know. Exactly. We'll come back to that. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go back and read that one. <laughs> but man, this was awesome. Wow. Yeah. No, thank you so much for that. I think when you were talking about vertical and horizontal, mm -hmm. I think this year, and since we've been doing the Daily Audio Bible Group this whole year, I think this year has been the year of the biggest growth for me since I became a believer. Mm -hmm. And the, I think the thing that really impacted me most is that I've had to unlearn more than I've learned. Mm -hmm. Because I, there's all these things that I felt going to these different churches that I've, I've learned church culture, and I felt like that's damaged me to a certain way, mm -hmm. um, just because of several bad experiences that it's, it's kept me apart from committing to church. 
And then when I started meeting with you guys all in these groups, and we actually started diving in and reading and becoming community, it's like everything, and I used to um, love reading the word. I used to be so far into it, and I've lost that. I'm talking about over 10 years. I have feel like I've lost that. And um, it's crazy to think how much I've had to unlearn in order to reconnect with Jesus. And that is something that I'm reminded through conversations. And it's never been a church sermon that's impacted me as much as hearing from you in the group, mm -hmm. hearing from a Stefan right here. Like these conversations have helped me reconnect. Right. And therefore, I'd like to thank you so much for this because mm -hmm. this was such an impactful and insightful conversation. By the way, God, is God has never called us to learn. He said, perceive, forever learning, but never perceiving. Because he's like, I need you to be able to see these things. And one thing the Lord has, has, has taught me that I've been praying more and more every day is, Lord, give me revelation of your word because I need to perceive your word. <laughs> if I don't perceive, if I don't see it, I'll never learn it. Otherwise, it's just repetition. Yeah. We're just getting book knowledge. That's all we're school. doing. Yeah. That is. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, I think, uh, man, what a great what a great conversation this is a great conversation for once uh you know it's leaving me speechless to to add on or anything but i would like to say you know if you guys find yourself um hurting if you find yourself alone if you find yourself thinking you're not good enough or um you just need somebody or something or some you just you just have this feeling of need i could tell you right now it's it's that's the, the holy spirit tugging at your heart you know, there, there's a, uh, I've heard it a few times and I, I like this and it, it, there's a, there's a God hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. Mm. And we keep trying to fill it with drugs and alcohol, alcohol and, and, uh, porn and women and what lust, whatever it is, we just keep trying to fill it. And the reason why we be, get in those cycles is because we can't fill it. It's not big enough. So I just, I just ask you guys and I, you know, if you, find yourself wanting and, and and just you need change in your life and or maybe you're looking for something or maybe you're you're a cutter or whatever whatever your life looks like right now and if it's incomplete i could tell you right now our god is as a god of completion Amen. you can look at all three of our lives we've come from all three walks of the earth and god is speaking to you because he loves you and he knows you and he wants you to live a beautiful life. So if, if you have any doubt in yourself that you're not worthy, just know God created you perfectly just the way you are. And he wants to love you. And this relationship that we have with our Jesus and, and with God, it's it's the, the greatest thing I've ever committed my life to. It's the greatest thing I've ever done as a father. It's the greatest thing I've ever done as a husband was to fall in love with Jesus and, and, and just want a relationship with him. So if, if that's you, if you need Jesus, I, I ask you, reach out to your local church. Leave us a message. Um, reach out to us on Facebook. Whatever you need to do, uh, I'll, we'll be more than willing to help you. We love you guys. We appreciate every single one of you guys. Um, like I said, man, this uh, we want to meet you where you're at. Amen. Definitely. 
And again, if you if this podcast resonates with you, please help us out by sharing it. Esteban, tell them how they can connect to you. If, I know somebody's listening to this like, I got it. I got to reach out. Well, to I got to. How can people connect? <laughs> I, I honestly share at two churches. It's either my church or I go down to Greeley. But um, I'm on social media. Again, it's a it's Esteban Miguel Antonio. Um, I think I'm wearing sunglasses and a Superman shirt. But um, real quick note, men, when you're going through your adversity, number one is pray be quick to pray number two is find another believer that's number two okay and number three is make sure make sure make sure you're in your word the bible says that a court of three and he talks about people you know him jesus and the holy spirit is it's not easily broken but i always think of my walk with christ as, as a stool you can have a three-legged stool. You pull away from any one of those things, you're going to fall. But men, we need those three things. The accountability, prayer, and the word. Mm. When you're going through it, that adversity, as long as you, you keep those three, three things, you will not fall. But anyways, thank you, Jesus. But yeah. Thank you very much. All, all right. right. So thank you all for joining us with the Kingdom Misfits. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.